0: Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Phil, over to you. Let's pray for you. Do you need your iPad? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Father. Thank you for Phil, Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord. Pray, Lord God, that your word will have power. It will divide bone and marrow, Lord, this morning, Lord. I pray that it will touch our hearts and renew our our spirits, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, good morning. Back, it'd be nice to preach without having to do translation. I always forget and I get carried away, and then I have, to, suddenly I have to stop and wait for whoever's translating to catch up with me. So, it's nice not to have to do that this morning. Um, what I thought is interesting is this whole kind of prophetic edge this morning about who we are and um, the restoration to that. And while I was in India, we felt very strongly that at the conference we weren't given any particular um, uh, theme for the conference. So it was kind of down to myself and Andrew I was traveling with to come up with something what we're going to speak on. And that's a difficult thing when you're in a foreign country, don't know the situation too well and you're just asked to speak whatever God gives you. So you really are throwing yourself on God. What is it you want to speak? But the whole thing about restoration uh, was really key. So we spoke from Nehemiah and we looked at actually restoring the walls of Jerusalem and... uh, what God was doing, but actually right in that moment, right in those two days, God was restoring back to many of these leaders that we were speaking to, God's original plan for them, for their life. Actually, but really also, out of that would be restoring back God's original plan for India. Actually, God wants to win the whole of India. God wants to see everyone in India come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's a huge challenge. We've got a lot more people than we've got. And uh, it's a huge challenge out there, but they've got it in their heart. And as God was just restoring them to the the plan that He has for their lives, so too, out of that will come the plan that God has for India. So it's a real privilege to be there to that. But one of the things that came out of that trip was this ask that question Are you living in such a life in such a way that makes it easy for others to believe in Jesus? Do we complicate our Christian faith? What is it that we are giving out to others? What is it that people, when they look at our lives, when they look at us, that they see, actually, it's easy to believe in Jesus? It's easy to live a Christian life. It's easy to follow after him. Or are we kind of saying something else? This was actually on one man's gravestone. And they put it on there and say, he lived his life in such a way, it made it easy for others to believe in Jesus. And I found that a challenge because I'm not sure that that's how I live my life all the time. I'm not sure that, that when I'm when dealing with my neighbours, when I'm in the workplace, that actually people are looking at me and saying, I could follow Jesus because of his life. And actually our life comes out of who we are in Christ, knowing our identity. And we've been looking at identity now for the last few weeks, months actually now, a few months, two, three months, we've been looking at our identity, because we're on this journey... And we've been on this journey with the children of Israel. And they they were going to go into the promised land the first time. And fear got in when they saw the giants because they didn't know who they were. Is all they could see were the giants in the land. They didn't know who they were in God. They didn't know what God had called them to. They didn't know that God was with them in such a way that actually the giants were as grasshoppers rather than the other way around and seen themselves as grasshoppers. And so it stopped them going into the promised land. Now, it could have quite easily happened a second time, and this is their 40 years, and I think that's a long time. If God took 40 years to actually teach them who they were, he had a big task on his hand, obviously, and I kind of wonder, how long has he got to work with us before we truly believe who we are in Christ, who he's made us to be? And actually, I don't want us to take 40 years. I haven't got 40 years left. I don't think anyway (laughs) why don't you never know do you but I I don't think I've got 40 years left I'm getting old I don't know that I've got 40 years left I don't want it to take 40 years but I think actually our identity is really important to grasp hold of so our identity used to be based in our family background, our education maybe physical attributes people knew who we were by looking at us by perhaps what we do for a living Maybe they, they determine our identity that way. But actually, when we come to Christ, and because of what Jesus has come, we've got a new identity. An identity we're given for free, and it's to live a life by faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians two twenty. To live now we live the life we now live, we live by faith in Jesus Christ. It is through faith we understand that we are now radically loved by God, and we've sung a lot of songs about that this morning, about being loved by God, being loved by Him, and the great songs, and I love the songs, but there's a new identity for us, We we may have defined ourselves by maybe what others have done to us, could have defined us, could be what they've said about us, maybe... The influence that they've had over our life, maybe from a parent or a teacher or somebody significant in our lives may have said things about or defined us, judged us, and actually it's trapped us into something that isn't of God. And while I was away those two days at the conference, and God broke in powerfully, and I felt God actually deal with some of this stuff in me. I'm able to preach this this morning because it's something God did in me. God was tearing off what I felt were like strips put on me by others. Things said over me by others. Things that would trap me, put me in a box, would define me into a small thing when actually God's got something much bigger. And I felt God just stripping some of those things off, labels that have been put on me that aren't helpful because they're not from God. They're from man. And they put on me. When I was growing up, I was... I was a slow learner, it took me years to learn and I had reading difficulties and you, many of you know I've told the story how God healed me of that but one of the things was that actually they, my teacher called me, uh, nicknamed me because I was, I was in a, the era of um, Magic Roundabout, it was on TV a lot when I was young and I was nicknamed at school by a teacher as Brian the Snail. And that defined me for a long time. Defined who I was. Put restrictions on me. And actually God dealt with that, praise God. And that's gone. But there's things like that that people put on us that define who we are. And the, God wants to remove them off us. They're not from him. You see, God has chosen to define us as, um, as anointed ones. As those walking with an authority... Adopted into his family, ambassadors for him, part of a royal priesthood, and seated in heavenly places. We're a citizen of heaven, not of this world anymore, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. there's a different definition that the Word of God has for us, and what God speaks over us. And realizing this identity changed fundamentally our being, who we are, and enable us to become a true disciple of Jesus. And actually, some of those things, even Kathy was sharing about, about getting excited, seeing again the supernatural, just doing the supernatural thing, actually comes out of just knowing who we are and dealing with so much of the stuff that's been put on us and lies and things said about us that just need to be taken off us. And I just think, even while I'm speaking this morning, I really felt the weight of this word. I've been preparing this this week. It's come out of some of the stuff we, I was teaching doing in, while I was in India, but just really felt the weight of this. God wants to speak to each one of us and just even tear away some of those labels this morning and some of those things that have put on you, some of those strips that have held you back and defined you. So my question would be, are you living in the good of your new identity in Christ? I don't think I am fully yet. I may mean to get there. Can we turn to Romans chapter one? If you got your Bible, might come up on screen. I'm not sure. Just gonna read the first uh, seven verses. Paul, a servant of there's three points of identity that Paul writes. First, he says, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Secondly, to those in Rome who are loved by God. And thirdly, called to be saints. I want to just look at those three things this morning briefly. Because when you're called or chosen, you know it. See, I'm no sportsman. Okay? I was slow at school, that's true. I wasn't particularly quick. I was not a sportsman. The whole sport thing jumped a generation. My dad was a sportsman, he was a runner, he played cricket, he played football, he did loads of sports. And my son does loads of sports. He plays football, he plays cricket, he plays bowls, he does every sport going climbing walking at the age of two we used to meet some of you may may remember around we used to meet in the gym at St. Elphin's school when it was a school years ago and it had full height basketball nets and at the age of two nine out of ten times my son could get a basketball in that net at the age of two it's quite impressive he was a natural sportsman not me it completely jumped me i'm hopeless at most things when it comes to sport and my son played in a football team junior football and you know the kind of thing they do they do the dad's thing don't they yeah it's like when you go to school and you go to the sports day you have to do the dad's race or something like that. i was never great at that either but doing the football club it was uh, you, you know we had to play against the other dads and we had to play football play and we had to play in the position that our sons played in which was even worse Dan was brilliant in defense, absolutely brilliant, and uh, I was absolutely hopeless. And I won the wooden spoon for having two left feet. I was that bad. Sport does not define me in any way whatsoever. I'm just hopeless at it, except for one thing. There was one thing I found I could do, and that was I could swim. You know what it's like when you're, when you're doing sports and stuff and you're going to pick teams. And you get the teams lined up and you're stood there in the line and your name's never called as it to last. Well, they don't even call your name because you're just the last one standing. <laughs> Nobody else has got a choice. It's like whichever team gets the last pick, it's you because you're the last one. And your name never actually gets called. When I was swimming, though, my name got called because I could swim. Couldn't do a lot else, but I could swim. So when I got picked for the swimming galas, when my name was called out, something happened. Inside, like I was really pleased. I was really happy. I got picked for this. And I could do it. And I could be in a team, and I could help our team win. Because I could swim. And I even could do the, um, the one where you do the butterfly. I could even swim the butterfly when I was young. Can't do it now at all way too much weight on to do that but I could I could swim the butterfly I I could just swim but there was something that happened in me because nobody would pick me you would not pick me out for a sports event other than a swim and nobody knew that until I was probably in my I was in my last two years at school secondary school and uh, we got to choose what sport we did so I went sailing I thought, I'll have a go sailing, never done it, I'm no good at any, anything involves a ball, I'm rubbish, so let's go sailing, we have the option, went sailing, very first time, we capsized, and in the middle of the lake, or middle of Ogston Reservoir as it was, and I ended up swimming all the way back, so I thought, well if I'm going to swim, I might as well just swim in the pool, where it's nice and warm, <laughs> so I gave that up and just went swimming, but something changed in me when I got started to get caught, my name get called and there's something happens in us when God calls our name when God called me I was eight years old when God called me and I knew it I was in a small home group visiting friends in Melton Mowbray with my parents and I was sat in a corner keeping it out of the way while all this other stuff was going on God was doing some great stuff all sorts going on and I was just sat in this corner And God just, I felt like at eight years old, God came and sat next to me. And he just said, you're mine. I want you. I'm calling you after me. And something, I just burst into tears. Really bizarre. I was eight years old. Didn't really know what was happening. But I knew this. God called me. And when you know you've had the call, when you know you've heard the call, it does something in you and it changes you god's call. so when paul writes here to the romans and says you're called to those called he's speaking that's your identity you're called of god you're called by god and you're called for the purposes of god and it was some years later when i was 14 when god called me to leadership i was 14 i ain't got an ounce of leadership in me I'd never, ever done anything that could lead anybody. I never dreamt I would ever be anything like that. It's not my natural nature to be like that. It's not my natural nature. I never thought I could do half the things that God's enabled me to do. But he called me. And when he called me, he changed me. And it became my identity is that I am now called of God. And can you say that with a conviction? I am called by God. That's all Paul's writing to here. Those who are called by God, chosen by him. And it says in Ephesians, God chose you to be in Christ before the foundation of the world. And as so brilliantly prophesied this morning, he has a plan for our lives. A plan that he set out before time began plan i i know this now it's taken me years to get to this point but i know the reason i'm on the earth is for the purposes of god not for myself not for career not to earn loads of money not to have a good good time drive a nice car live in a nice house i'm here for the purposes of god all those other things are just bonuses that god throws in i'm here for the purpose of god called by god chosen by him And when Jesus called the first disciples, it was nothing dynamic and outstanding. It it wasn't this great big show of things. He walked past a few fishermen and saw them struggling to fish. Some of them mending nets. Some of them throwing the net down and caught absolutely nothing. Been fishing all night and just says, just throw it over the other side. And suddenly there's a huge catch. They were nothing but fishermen. And then he says, come follow me. And they were ready to hear the call of come follow me. It was a call, it was a choice. They were chosen to be disciples to follow Jesus. We likewise have been chosen to be disciples of Jesus. So, are we living in the good of what it is to be a disciple? Following Jesus. Well, I'm just going to hand over to Tara now. <laughs> He's going to preach. (laughs) Secondly. It's all right. Can have a go? I have no problem. You can start young preaching. You can come and preach with me if you like. (laughs) There we go, eh? What's about that then? Get your first taste of preaching. Secondly. He said we are loved by God. To those who are loved. Now it's something amazing when you know you love. We all love a child, don't we? We all love a baby. We do. I love you, but Ira, we do. Well <laughs> yeah, my arms good day very shortly. <laughs> See, God, we sing the songs, we've sung so many songs this morning about being loved by God. Knowing his love for us. Knowing that we're loved. There's nothing like it when you know you're loved. And it's not about a feeling. You see, we get, we get confused by these things. And we allow our feelings to say, well, actually, feel, I feel loved. And our feelings, But well, actually, love is choice. God chose to love us. God sent his son out of a choice to die for us god chose to they said um in in 316 john 316 god so loved the world a choice not a feeling because our feelings come and go and actually we can there's times when we perhaps don't feel like we are loved and loved by god things aren't going so well we're having a difficult time going through a testing time difficult things happening and we sometimes can feel if we base it on our feelings. We won't feel very loved in those times. But you see, love is choice on God's part. And he loves us no matter what. And we can say in difficult times, well, how is that an expression of God's love if I'm going through difficult times? Well, Scripture's very clear on all that. And I haven't got time to teach into all that, but it's very clear. Actually, the testing of our faith, God allows trials, tribulations, tests our faith, God wants us to know that what we've got is genuine love. What we've got is genuine relationship. What we've got with him actually will stand the test no matter what. Do we know we loved? Or do we just sing the songs and enjoy the songs? Or is it a reality in our life? You see, when you know you're loved, you feel safe and secure, don't you? They're the feelings that come out of knowing you're loved. As you feel safe, and you feel secure. They're the consequence of knowing you're loved. That's when you looks happy that they're loved. There's only one way to know how God loves us. And that's to listen to what he tells us and believe him. See, we have to choose to believe. When God says he loves us, it's a choice then to believe. God chooses to love us then it's our choice to choose to say yeah i believe you love me no matter what our circumstance as i read from ephesians before us uh, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world it goes on to say in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through jesus christ and i don't know I'm not going to go into the doctrine of predestination. I once was in Spain, um, speaking speak, speak in a church there, and there was four churches around Madrid who gathered together. I got the, together with the leaders. The first time I'd ever met these leaders, and they took us to a Chinese restaurant in Madrid, which was very nice, but they do uh, adapt the Chinese food to the culture, so it didn't feel very Chinese. It felt more Spanish than Chinese. But anyway, that's how they did it. And... Um, we're sat around, and the first question I get asked by one of these leaders is, So, where do you stand on predestination? And I'm thinking, Man, let's just get to know each other first before we get into doctrine and trying stuff. But the word of God says, In love, he predestined. God had a plan for my life that he set out because he loved me before I even existed, before time existed. God loved me. While we were as I said last week, we were doing a lot of travelling while we were in India, hours in the car. So some of the topics of conversation are quite interesting. So we we had all manner of different conversations going on, so one of them was we threw out was uh, so what happened to the tree of life? And where is it? We didn't come up with an answer particularly. Not sure you can. But that was one of those questions. One of the other questions was, when you leave this world of time, and we enter into eternity, are we there with everybody when we're in eternity? Get your head around that one. Even though they're still on the earth, you've gone, they're still here, but you're there with them because you're in eternity. You've kind of this, this point where you've passed through into where there's no time exists at all. Kind of big things Discussion, so predestination, it's a big topic. Were we predestined by God to be called, chosen by Him, to be loved by Him? Absolutely, absolutely. Paul calls this love a great love. And what makes it great is he says it's because God came to me in my filth My sin, all my mess, my mistakes, and he rescued me. And even when I've made mistakes, having come to him, he still loves me and rescues me. And he's made me alive in Christ, together with Christ. So to know this love, to feel this love for what it is, requires us to experience this love. And we can do that on a daily basis. We can experience the love of God. We experience it as part of the family of God. We experience it in times with God, when we read the Word of God, when we pray, when we worship, they're all opportunities to experience and know we're loved by God, and we're accepted by Him. We'll out time. But thirdly, he says that we're saints now that's always a bit of a challenge are you 100% a saint or less some tape here anybody's ever been on an alpha course with Dave Watmore this is what he does there's a line and here you're in your sin and your mess And he gives this opportunity and says, if you want to change your life and give your life to Jesus and become a Christian, you step over this line. And that's a tough thing for some people. That's hard when it gets to that point. You're making a choice, you're making a decision, and it's tough to do. But the moment you step over that line and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you become a saint, 100%. 100% a saint and nothing less you've passed from death to life so the enemy as we as Peter was speaking about last week and John has been so really helpful as as he's spoken a few times actually it's the lies of the enemy that wants to rob us of this position of being a saint and it's hard to accept sometimes because we know what we're like don't we and we know the things that we do And we know that actually it doesn't all line up with us being a saint sometimes. Our language doesn't line up with us being a saint. Our actions don't line up. Our thought life certainly doesn't line up sometimes. But we're still a saint. Not because of anything we did, or because of Jesus. So when we choose to cross that line from being a sinner and receive Jesus, we are 100% saints over that line. You see, I'm glad I'm 100% saint. I know sometimes there's 5% of me that doesn't do what it should do, but it doesn't change the fact I'm a saint. It's not in question before God. It's only in question by the accuser who will come and he will accuse, say, how can you call yourself a saint? How can you say that you're a saint when you've just done that, when you've said and thought that, when you've looked at that, whatever it is we have done, the accuser will come, most definitely will, but we are 100% all the same. When Jesus died on the cross, and we give our life to him, it says that we died in him. So we are dead to sin, and alive to Christ. Once we were dead, once we were dead in our sins, and now we're alive to Christ, because we've died to that, and we've come to life in Christ. We are no longer sinners who occasionally do good. Actually, we're saints who occasionally perhaps don't do so good. And we make a mistake, and we get things wrong, and we do something we shouldn't. But it's not the other way around. That means that we fight sin not by trying harder.